you know, it, it was bound to happen to someone. And I suppose we were one of the first kind of restaurants to be named as having a contact case. And we we're out, I suppose, in the papers and so forth um, on all the websites. So it was a bit yeah, alarming to see yourself up in that. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. As the cluster in Sydney's northern beaches has shown, life can change in the blink of an eye. With increased cases of COVID-19 came heavier restrictions right across Greater Sydney and other states closing their borders to the residents of it. What impact will this have? And will this become the norm for the coming year? Doug Fraser is a chef and co-owner of Love It in Newport on the northern beaches of Sydney. Doug, how are you going? Uh, good, thanks. Um, yeah, interesting time. Thanks for joining us. You, um, you're up there in the northern beaches and you were firing up for a big Christmas trade and you've had to close the restaurant. How are you feeling at the moment? Um, at the moment, it's pretty uncertain. We're just trying to deal with what information we get as it comes in. So, yeah, it's a bit hectic at the moment, but, you know, we're all fingers crossed we can get open as soon as possible. You've been open for quite a while since that first lockdown all those months ago. Uh, what's the build-up to Christmas been like and trade been like before this happened? Well, we were fairly, uh, you know, a pretty new business even before the, just before the, uh, the first lockdown happened. So we did never really found our feet, you know, um, and then obviously the first lockdown happened and we kind of dealt with that the best we could. So since reopening, it's gone really strong um, and we were, like everyone else, getting ready for a crazy time of year, employing people, prepping, filling the fridges up and that pretty just went to nothing overnight. Were the fridges full when when you got news uh, come through about the, the lockdown? Yeah, right up to the minute that we had decided we are going to close, you know, we were prepping, getting ready for the busiest day we'd ever had since we've opened and then... Um, had to make the quarter close. Take us through sort of the last week or so as the build-up has happened and cases started to happen. What, what, how did you feel about the area? Did you feel this impending closure? No, we, we I mean, I eat out a lot. Everywhere I've been in the area, everyone does their best to keep within the guidelines and we were all kind of just not oblivious to it, but we were just going about our normal lives. And certainly in the industry, we are just ready for, you know, everyone to come out and celebrate and then we kind of got word that something was going on just up the road in Avalon I had a bit you know a close eye on that and then what was it Thursday night we heard that there was a case down the road from us so we decided you know in the interest of everyone's safety let's just close and see what happens Um, we made that call late Thursday night and then we came in on Friday to just tidy up a few things and we got a call saying that there'd been a contact, uh, you know, co- uh, contact with a COVID case at our restaurant. So then everything just, yeah, everything just changed there and we um, had to kind of sit down and work out the best way to go forward. How did you feel at that moment? Um, to be honest, I wasn't surprised uh, because seeing how many cases were popping up and around, um, you know, it, it was bound to happen to someone and, I suppose we were one of the first kind of restaurants to be named as having a contact case and we were out, I suppose, mm. in the papers and so forth um, on all the websites. So it was a 
bit yeah, alarming to see yourself up in that. But then, you know, only a couple of days later, almost every restaurant I know is is in that list now. So it's just commonplace. What's the anxiety that you feel? Is it is it the fact that there's cases and, you know, you or your staff or your family may get um, the virus or is it more about the lockdown and impact on the business and the sustainability of that? My first concern was always going to be the community our guests, our staff, um, and making sure everyone's all right. Um, after that, as a business owner, it's really concerning because with the first lockdown, it did take them a while to come out with a few relief strategies, but we did hear that they closed us down, so we couldn't reopen, and we were going to get rent relief, we were going to get some government grants, and we are going to get JobKeeper and all these things. Now, at Christmas time, having none of that and having to pay all the bills anyway... It's, it is pretty stressful. Christmas is renowned for a time that restaurants do really well, but uh, restaurants struggle in their first year and the, the statistics aren't pretty, let alone when there's a pandemic on. How important was this Christmas trade for you? For us, we'd, we'd been doing okay, um, you know, as, as far as restaurants go, and we're very grateful for the help that we got. But this was really a chance for us to kind of move ahead, build a great team, push ahead with the um, you know new menu items and you know really push forward but it's all come to nothing now there's been some uh, news overnight and it's not as bad as uh, what could have been there's a, a lot of people tested and not many cases found how are you feeling about that and and the next couple of weeks yeah I mean that's it's great that everyone's got tested I mean I know myself and probably yourself you know, went in those lines for hours to get tested and it's good to see everyone getting tested to make sure that we're doing everything we need to be safe. Um, you know, I just hope that whether whatever we do, it, it, it really knocks it out and we can kind of move on to some sort of normal life as soon as possible. The numbers in Australia are incredibly low compared to what we see in the States and in, in, in Europe. How, how do you feel about um, the situation in Australia, are you, are you confident that we'll get on top of things and um, what's the new year looking like in that regard? Um, in terms of how I feel, I'm confident that everyone that I know is doing the right thing and we have a great community around us and everyone I can see and hear of is doing the right thing. So I'm confident that as a, as a local community, which is, that's all I can really gauge by, we're all going to do the right thing to get through this. Um, as a country, I hope that everyone you know stays safe and follows suit. Um, the new year is, is a crazy thing to think about, that it's only a week or so away and I don't even know what's going to happen mm. tomorrow. I mean, we could get the, the call tomorrow that we were shut again for three months. We don't know. I don't, hope it doesn't happen. But it's just playing it day by day. We've put plans into place, but they could change in half an hour's time. We've seen uh, lots of people overseas refusing to wear masks and refusing to accept the virus, but footage of the northern beaches shows the streets pretty quiet. What's what's it feel like in the suburbs at the moment where you are? It's, it's crazy compared to a week ago where you could go down to, you know, Manly or whatever and see people lining up to get into venues and so forth. Um, and now there's, I mean, I'm sitting in the restaurant now and I can probably see three or four people maybe maximum walking around the street and everyone's wearing a mask. I mean, it's good to see that, that everyone's taking this seriously because the sooner we knock this out, the better. As you mentioned a bit earlier, Love It's only a fairly new restaurant. Can you tell us about how that started and, and what you're doing there? 
Um, yeah, so we finally, we, met, we opened, um, what was it, last July, and um, we took the restaurant over from Alessandro Pavoni of Omeggio. He had a bit on his plate, and he had a few new venues coming up, and he, you know, very graciously offered the restaurant to me, and I took it with, you know, very happily. Um, and t- me and the head chef, Dan, we kind of just sat down and said, well, what do we want to serve here? What, what are we going to do? And it was always going to be what food that we wanted to eat and um, be in the environment that we wanted to be in. And that's kind of what we've done. It was a slow start. There was a few really quiet nights, but it's been growing ever since and we're very grateful for, for where we are now. Give us an example of uh, food that you like to eat and cook. Uh, do you have some dishes on the menu that really uh, typify what you do? Yeah. So one thing that we kind of, you know, is us and a bit odd, um, I suppose, the way it sounds anyway, is um, <laughs> the, I mean, we do a kind of fish chowder, a fish pie chowder type thing, which is, you know, typically a white sauce based thing, but it's, we make it with kombu. My mum's Japanese. I grew up with all those sort of flavours. So we use a lot of kombu. We use a lot of soy in a lot of what we do, but it is kind of European cooking techniques um, and plated, you know, in the, the typical models style way. When did you first get interested in food and what led you to a career in hospitality? Well, I was really shit at school and I hated it and the teachers hated me being there. So after year 10, I decided, well, whether I decided or got pushed, we uh, kind of left school and, um, you know, there's only two things I was really interested in was kind of music and cooking. And um, I ended up starting an apprenticeship at a few odd places and then ended up um, applying for a job with Matt Moran at ARIA in 1999 for the newly, the new opening of that. And that kind of changed my life and my perspective of food. You know, I was really, really lucky to, to be there at that time with those people and have the guidance of people like Simon Sandel and Matt Moran. It was bloody hard work and I remember being on the veg section with Paul Baker sweating in places that we don't, you know, we didn't know that could sweat. Uh, but, you know, it was, ama- it was amazing. It was an amazing time. Take us back to then. What, what, what was it like in the kitchen as someone that was so young? Do you remember any of the dishes that you had to do? Um mashed potato i think most people that have worked in aria would remember doing a heap of mash and bending your fingers backwards on the moolie trying to get the blasted through um but yeah i mean a a lot of it was really new to me i'd never worked in that sort of environment before so it was just all eye-opening and i remember eating a mussel for the first time and i'd seen them before in the movies or tv and i just think i just thought that was amazing you know just so many moments like that happening every day and having the guidance of Simon Sandals there explaining things. You know, nothing was ever too hard for him. To, you would know, always stop and say, this is why we do this and, and so forth. And it was just a really great time to be in the industry. It was a different industry back then, not that it was forever ago, but I don't know if it's um, like that anymore in terms of, um, yeah, it's just it was just a bit different back then. You mentioned the influence of your mother's cooking when you were younger and obviously Matt Moran and Simon Sandal as well. What's been some of the influences through your career after your apprenticeship that really um, gave you, defined you as a chef? Well, I f- well um, after working at ARIA, like all chefs at the time, I wanted to go work in England because that's kind of where it was all at. 
Um, and I was very, very lucky to end up getting a job at Le Manoir Cassaisons with um, Raymond Blanc, or for Raymond Blanc. And that was like being in the army. Yeah, got my ass kicked there. It was hard work. And then lucky enough to then move to Scotland and work for Gordon Ramsay at his restaurant Amaryllis. And again, that was, um, that was really eye-opening and hard work. You, you came back to Australia and worked in, in many venues, but you've also owned quite a few of your own places and they've always been uh, on the north side of the harbour. Why, why have you, uh, what led you to open restaurants on the north side? Um, I just, I like the people, I like the beach, I like, um, just like the way of life up here. You know, good people, relaxed, um, safe. But you know, I just, you know, yeah, I just, I just love the people. I love, I love the area. Tell us about the first restaurant you opened and the challenges in, involved in that. It was, it was uh, up in Narrabeen, uh, I believe, and you, you got the, got the uh, sort of attention of some critics at the time as well. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was pretty crazy to be honest. I was thinking back as almost ten years ago, I was probably a bit too young and yeah, a bit young and dumb to do it. But I just kind of, you know, I had a young daughter and I just figured I'd need to do something with my life. So I took it on and I just did anything and everything I could to make it work. It was, you know, it was a really good experience. Um we did some great things there. There's a lot of things that I've, you know, looking back, I wish I did there as well. But, you know, leaving and selling there was a really positive part of my life as well. So I look back on that time at Barbudo fondly, but I'm really glad to have the experience. But I'm glad what we're doing now, feel that we're kind of moved forward and doing something a bit, bit better. You've opened these venues with your wife. Can you tell us about um, the teamwork involved and, running restaurants and how important both of you are to those venues <laughs> um yeah it's probably the best and worst thing we've ever done <laughs> um is work together you know and, and doing it for 10 plus years we know where each other's strengths and weaknesses are um yeah i mean it, I, I typically take care of the food and all the back of house in terms of um doing the payroll and all that kind of stuff and my wife kylie she looks after the front of house of the floor with our um, general manager, uh, Matteo, and um, and I suppose the marketing side of the business. So we've kind of found our little lanes and we try not to cross them because we know there'll be an argument at the end of the day if we do. People often speak of the eastern suburbs or the inner west uh, for great food in Sydney, and but there are some amazing restaurants on the, the north side and particularly up where you are. Tell us about the food and the restaurants of that area and what you love about them. Well, we're a kind of a weird little community here that we're, there's no real competition. We just all like going out to each other's restaurants. So we did some time working for my friend up at Bistro Boulevard in Avalon and they do great French food. We've got Bert's down the road from us who, you know, there's, it's one of the best restaurants in Australia. Um, and then you've got, you know, all these other things popping up and down um, the beaches like Cafe Monarca, which does some great Japanese food. And it's, you know, there's something for everybody and it's just what you need, you know, if what the area needs is that sort of variety and it's really every every base is covered here. You're very connected with the local uh, restaurateurs and chefs. What are they saying about this situation and what are their concerns? Well, yeah, I mean, I've been really, really lucky to have guidance of the kind of 
the older school hospital people in the area. You know, I've got, you know, obviously Alessandro is my landlord here. I've got Bill Drakopoulos, Anna Pavoni, Matt Kemp, and my old boss Hassan Ehrman. These guys have been really, you know, instrumental in, in helping me get through this time and their guidance. At the moment, it's just with the first lockdown, we knew what was, we kind of knew what was coming and had a bit of a look in America. But we've now, with everyone putting out so much for this Christmas period and the uncertainty and how quick it happened, it's just a bit of a, yeah, it's just a bit of an unknown. So it's a bit hard to get any answers from anyone. Um, we're just doing our best. What's the plan at the moment for the restaurant? Are you going to remain closed until um, you get word? that uh, things are okay or are you looking to do some takeaway? So we, um, for first of all, when we had the confirmed case, we closed down and um, no, none of the staff were allowed back into the restaurant or anywhere near until they had a, uh, returned a negative test. And so yesterday we put all the food aside and gave that out to the staff so they could at least eat it rather than go in the bin. Um, did a big deep clean. Later this afternoon, I've got the disinfectant guy coming to spray in his hazmat suit. Um, so that'll clear us. And then we're, the plan is now to do some Christmas packs. And we've been really fortunate to have some great following, local following to, to sell some Christmas packs. And we're pretty much sold out of them. And again, like we've planned to open for New Year's Eve and we're getting all our staff geared up for it and everything. Um, but whether that can happen, I don't know. You know, it's been a pretty crazy year, and given you know what happened in Melbourne, um, and now is happening in Sydney on a much uh, lesser scale. Uh, how has it impacted you personally this year? Personally, I think it's I've got a few more battle scars, a few kind of more grey hairs. Um, I've learnt a lot, uh, but having said that. You know, I've achieved everything I wanted to do when I sat sat down at the, the start of the year and I put some goals together. I've achieved all that. And, you know, when all this is over, I'll, I'll put some more goals down and hopefully achieve them. But, um, you know, personally, it hasn't been fun or easy, but, you know, we got there in the end so far. You mentioned that you've uh, learned a few things. What, what are some of the things you've learned this year out of this experience? Just to engage with the community that you're in. Be honest, be upfront, and not that I wasn't like that before, but I feel that it's really reinforced the fact that you need to be upfront with your guests and your staff, what your situation is, and try your best, work your ass off, and hopefully it'll all work out. Will this experience change what you do at Love It? And moving into the next year, do you think you'll be a different sort of operator given the circumstances? Uh, yes and no. I think we will not change in our core values in what we kind of want to deliver to our guests. We want them to have good food, good wine, good service at a reasonable price. That's always what we wanted. Whether we do that in the restaurant or at their house or whatever, that's um, that's probably the only thing that's going to change. What's your hopes uh, over the next period of time and um, you know, leading up to Christmas and New Year's? Uh, what are you hoping for from Sydney Ciders and... Uh, in regards to what's going on? I just hope everyone's safe first and then we can kind of think about moving forward. I mean, obviously, I run a business and we need to <laughs> make money to, to survive and pay our staff and all that. But I suppose the, the welfare of the community is probably more important than that. If we don't survive through that, then that's fine. But as long as everything, everyone else is all right, um, we'll be fine. What sort of impact do you think this will have 
long term, the industry is renowned for its low profit margins. And this is a second lockdown for, for you and the restaurateurs and industry people in your area. Um, what sort of impact do you think that will have long term on, on establishments? Well, as far as profitability, you know, it was, um, you know, being profitable and saying you were a profitable restaurant a year ago when all this salary scandal stuff was going on, it was almost a dirty word to, to run a profitable restaurant. I think podcasts like this and the general awareness of the struggles that owning a restaurant have, you know, come, come to light lately have kind of opened people's eyes to that, whether they care about it or not, um, I don't know, but... You know, we, the things are going to have to change. Uh, I don't know what and I don't know how. But, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the dust settles on all this. Well, Doug, I know you've had a pretty tough period of time. Hopefully you can get those uh, dinner packs out for Christmas and um, get some money in the door and help your staff and also feed the community. We've really loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today. Uh, good luck with everything. Please keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Hux. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.